back to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. My name is Eric, and in this episode, I got to speak with Tarek Mansoor from Kalshi.com. That's K-A-L-S-H-I.com. Kalshi is an event-driven trading brokerage where you can place trades on a wide variety of events. Some of those events include things like rate hikes, Fed decisions, inflation reports, even the debt ceiling hike that's uh, all in the news today, right? So let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Tarek, and he's going to explain the whole thing. I think you're going to find this interesting, and let's get into it. All right, Tarek Mansoor, welcome to the show. How's it going today? Things are great. Thanks for having me. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. You've got a really interesting service slash product slash software, and I wanted to have you on because the, I think what initially piqued my interest, and we'll get into this in a minute, was the idea of trading around certain types of Fed events and economic events. Now, usually as a trader, I'm usually trying to avoid those events because you just never know what's going to happen. And even if you did know what was going to happen, like if you thought the rates were going to rise, that doesn't mean you know what the stock market reaction is going to be. So you guys have, are doing something a little bit different over there. So, but before we get into Kalshi.com, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to this point of creating something like this. Yeah, absolutely. So I went to MIT for school. I was really into computer science and math. And that was my thing during school. I really liked digging into, I would say I was a little bit more on the math side than the software engineering side. And then so that naturally led me into finance. And so I work at places like Goldman, Citadel, a bunch of other prop shops. And I think I realized two things somewhat early on. So one, I sort of realized that I was generally pretty hooked by the history of financial markets. Like why would you like... I would see like people around me would be figuring out, okay, how do we trade this? And how do we price this sort of option or swap or a stock? Or how do we kind of trade all these different things and sell them to clients? And I was doing that. But the thing that really kind of I felt myself doing at the end of late at night, et cetera, is really figuring out, okay, like we're trading the swap. How do we even come to the point where we start trading the swap? Because it's like a super intangible thing. It felt unnatural. I mean, how do we have thousands of people sitting on the floor trading this thing? And how do we even get to that point? And so that, that, piece of like how is the current financial market structured was really interesting to me and that got me into financial history and, and how different instruments develop over time etc the second thing i realized is one of the anecdotes i always like to talk about is in 2016 at goldman something really interesting happened so brexit was coming up so it was summer 2016 and brexit was coming up and there was also the u.s election and a lot of the flow that was coming to our desk and it was like high net worth individuals big you know hedge funds big you know whatever they were asking to get exposure. So they wanted to put on a trade on Brexit or hedge against Brexit and same with the elections. And so fundamentally, the thing they were looking for is something that is not quite like a traditional asset. It's an event. It's something that like will happen or not. It, that's something that has a lot of societal and economic implications. And so what we would do is we would take like a bunch of options, swaps, et cetera, and then we structure them into a bundle, let's call it something, mm -hmm. that is supposed to have that same kind of exposure they're looking for. It's like, hey, it's going to move the same way, that, et cetera. But there was two issues with that. So one, it was a proxy. It wasn't exactly the thing that the person was looking for. And two, it was expensive. We would charge sometimes like really high spreads just because we were the only other counterparty. It's not like an on-exchange traded thing. And so the idea of like, uh, well, how about we have a place, like a marketplace, an exchange, an exchange where people basically meet to trade on events. And events seems like a pretty relatable thing. It seems like it impacts a lot of people. So the more we got, the more I thought about it, the same thing with my co-founder, like the more we basically got obsessed about it. And that was, I would say, the original genesis of Kalshi. Gotcha. So tell me how it works. I've gone on there and I've seen some of the events that, at least the ones that I've sort of drawn to, like 
I know the debt, we're recording this on May 15th. So right now the debt ceiling is like the topic du jour, right? So tell me like, if I had an opinion on that, how would I go about placing a bet or a trade based on my opinion? Or maybe if I, if you know, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, listen to various other podcasts and they have their economic macro gurus that they follow. But again, kind of what you said, like we don't have a place to say, well, okay, if the debt ceiling isn't raised, how am I going to trade against that? And so what would I do to uh, to make that trade, to trade against yeah. that? Let's just say the debt ceiling, for example. Yeah. So w- w- well, how does it work? Well, the, what we are is an exchange or an exchange where people can trade on a variety of events, variety of things. And the way it works is like the stock market or any other typical financial exchange, which is essentially people can buy or go long or short an event, which for us is buy yes or buy no on, on an event. And if you want to buy yes, someone else will be selling you that yes or buy no on the other side. And and it works with a central limit order book. And an order book is basically just a, an aggregator of people's orders, which is basically people saying, I want to buy yes at this price and I want to buy no at this price, et cetera. So Let's take an example, like the debt ceiling example is great, which is like, will the debt ceiling be passed by June, right? Will the government go beyond their X date, which is the big kind of question right now that everyone is worried about. And so what you can do is like, if you buy yes, you each contract, each thing that you own, each share, we call them contracts in Kalshi, is something that can go to $1 or zero. $1 if the administration does cross the X date, it does end up being late in the payment, and zero if not. So $1 if you're right, zero if not. And you can buy at any price in between. So you can buy at 50 cents, at 40 cents, whatever it is. So let's say you want to buy at 40 cents and you want to buy 100 or 1,000 shares. If you buy 100 shares or 100 contracts, you're paying $40 up front. And then if you end up being in the money, like with traditional options, like if you end up being right, mm-hmm. you get $100. So your return profile is 40 to 100. We put on 40, you take on 100. Now, the interesting thing is like you can exit before the event. You trade it like an option, like a stock. So a lot, most people often, you buy at 40, let's say in a few, in a week or two, basically the price changes because of how people are trading it, same way that the price of Apple changes over time, it goes from 40 to 60 or 70 or whatever it is. Let's say it goes to 70. You can now exit your 100 shares at 70 and take a 30 cents on the dollar profit. And so you've made, and you basically close your position and take your profit. So you basically trade like a typical stock option. And uh, the really interesting thing is like, you can go both long and short. So you can buy yes, you can buy no on the event and it's kind Mm -hmm. of a vice versa type thing. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know... Some of the events I was looking at had various probabilities. So that's what it's based on is your market that says 87% chance that I, I think maybe I was looking at the rate hike one, but it was like 87% chance that they don't hike the next time. So that would be, yes, you, they're not going to hike. Or if they do hike, it was a lower probability. So is that is that are those probabilities, are those tied to the price of the contracts? Is that how that works? Yeah, totally. So, I mean, I think the best way to think about it is like if you're buying something at 40 cents on a dollar and that's what it's trading at, like people are buying and selling the debt ceiling market at 40 cents. Mm-hmm. It means that the marketplace is attributing a probability of 40% to the event happening, okay. which is kind of part of the elegance of our market. And I think part of the elegance of this kind of concept of event contracts or prediction markets, generally speaking, which is like, it does what markets do best. It aggregates prices and the opinion of the crowds. Like it brings them to come and trade on whatever they believe. And then at the end, the market price is the aggregator of everybody's belief into one number, which is a forecast for a market. What is the what is the forecast of whether it's going to happen or not? And so the interesting thing is our markets now, people trade them a lot, but also a lot of people take the data because they see it as one of the most accurate forecasts for the future. 
whether what is inflation going to be, whether the Fed is going to raise interest rates or not, whether there's going to be a new hurricane in Florida or that we're going to get in a new COVID wave. And so there's like this kind of really interesting property of any markets, not just our markets, but we're applying the power of markets to essentially forecast any future event, uh, which I find really interesting. Uh, so other than economic events, what are the other type of events that people are trading on there? Yeah, so I mean, economics, Fed, interest rates, et cetera, politics, whether bills are going to pass, nominations, who's going to lead different organizations. That ceiling, I believe, is more of a political thing than an economic thing. And some people right. might disagree, but I put it there. <laughs> climate and weather, climate and weather, daily weather markets, where the weather is going to be, hurricanes, climate change related things like which, which will this year be hotter than last year? Then we also have a, a number of financial markets, traditional financial markets, where you can trade and ticket export to S&P, NASDAQ currencies and a number of other things, just like pretty typical traditional markets, except that for us, it's a much easier to access lower margin, like the margin requirements are simpler. It's just a very simple, easy to, uh, easy to access platform. And then we have a long tail of other stuff, right? Like will TikTok be banned? When is GPT-5 going to be launched? When is the moon land? Are we going to land by, uh, on the moon by 2025? And, and a number of other things. Where do these, where do they come up with these? I mean, is it just like Headlines that come out, like, like you mentioned ChatGPT5, who creates those events or how do they become popular enough to make it to your platform, I guess, maybe? Sure. So I think it's an interesting question. We, it's a mix. I mean, I think a lot, we have a team internally of economists, people that do research that essentially determine what are the things that are top of people's minds, the main risks in the economy, the people that are things that people are interested in, and you list markets based on that. And then the second type is like anyone can come and cash and suggest the market. And then it doesn't necessarily go automatically to approval, but those are like pretty much 50% of our markets. So people suggest markets and we put them up on the platform. And then mm. after that, things happen. So that's another really interesting part of it. Gotcha. So originally brought you on because from a business perspective, I like to talk to companies that are um, centered around trading. So from like a business perspective, what were some of the challenges or technical challenges any sort of challenge to really get this off to the ground to have a real business and accept money and be a brokerage and all that. What does that, what did that look like? Sure. Yeah. So I'll walk through a few things. So one, I mean, this was not regulated before. So we spent three years actually getting it regulated by the federal government, which I think was a huge challenge. I mean, most people, even the large exchanges like NYSE and others, like thought this was impossible and for decades now, and then we actually convinced the federal government and the regulator to regulate this. And that took us three years and really three years of just regulatory and legal work. And it was really tough, but I think we got it happen. We made it happen. And uh, so that was that. So the, the regulatory piece is always very, very interesting and complex in financial, when you're building financial technology and fintech or definitely when you're building an exchange. But specifically for us, because this was an asset class that was not really allowed. So we're really, in some ways, we're creating a new asset class for people to trade on. And now we're basically first movers in, a, in what I see as a potentially really big market because we unlocked these regulatory barriers. I think broadly speaking, just setting up a regulated entity. So we are an exchange, what we call a self-regulated entity. It's, a, it's just generally speaking, a little bit like setting up a bank. You need a mm-hmm. lot of, like, it's long regulatory process. It's very difficult. Then the, and there's a lot of operations involved. And then technology-wise, I mean, you've had to build the exchange. So that's the place that matches the orders. And think a little bit like building the New York Stock Exchange from scratch. Mm-hmm. That's one. We've had to build our surveillance system. So this is basically... When you see on the news, for example, like Goldman Trader charge for insider trading, right? Like there's a lot of systems that have been built over decades that are monitoring trading activities on main exchanges like NASDAQ, New York Suction, et cetera, and then reporting it and like it reports to the compliance investigation department that like look at the activities that look suspicious or fraudulent, et cetera, to basically investigate and then you can take action and refer to 
to the regulators, et cetera. So we have the same thing and we build our own in-house from scratch as well. And so that's a big part of the, a lot of the build out for the infrastructure. Then you have things like clearing house and clearing integration and infrastructure, which is the payments, the custody, clearing the margins, all sorts of like think complicated financial stuff. And obviously our API website and app, which people can use to access our, our exchange. Um, and we still have a very aggressive roadmap ahead of us. But the build out for an exchange is what I say is like in these types of businesses, there's no MVP. You need to build the whole thing. You don't build right. an MVP for a bank, right? Like people are not going to yeah. use an MVP of a bank that sort of works. It needs to work and needs to be very reliable and accurate. So yeah, yeah, it's quite a bit of work involved in those types of things. Yeah, I'm sure getting all that regulation approved is, uh, took. you said three years. Yeah, that's a lot of, so you've been working on it for a while, huh? Yeah, we've been working on it for some time. Definitely like it took us three years to get regulated. So obviously that's the bulk of the time. Uh, but since launch, things have been moving and we've been growing a lot. I mean, and it's been really exciting to see basically the adoption in the marketplace. I mean, it feels like we're very early in the innings of it and like a really, a potentially really large asset class. And it's really cool to be sort of first mover in that. Let's talk about what it takes to kind of get started. I know this is sort of new. So some people, some listeners may want, they may be interested, but they don't want to risk a lot. Are there minimum requirements? I know like with options, you, either certain level one, level two, different things. What are the sort of requirements from for someone to join? And what's the, I guess, the least amount you can get started with? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the ways that we structured it is we wanted, we wanted to make it very accessible and very easy to use and access. And so you can start with as little as at $1 even, I mean, like very little. And then we also, we have like incentives program, et cetera, where we give credit to people after their first trade, et cetera, so that they can try the platform and test the waters. And so Banking is really easy. I mean, obviously there's KYC, et cetera, but like you can KYC deposit and get started immediately with as little as you want. We've kind of tried to reject the notion that like, the, I mean, most, a lot of other places, like they put minimum trade sizes and with options you have to have, you can suddenly get a lot of exposure, et cetera here. Well, we want people to be able to access whatever size they want to do. I just don't see there's, I don't see why there, there's limits in traditional financial markets. I think uh, the thing I would say that's interesting with Kalshi is like, I would say it's two things. So one, it's like generally about things that you care about. I mean, I think for a lot of people that may not be as in tune with like, how is Apple stock doing and, and not as interested in that, but they're more interested in like politics and like what's happening in, 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 the, in the government or they're more interested in the climate or they're more interested in things like COVID and how it progressed over time or the economy broadly, not necessarily the stock market, but the economy. Like, are we adding jobs? Are we going into recession, et cetera? Cash is a great place to basically take that knowledge and all the, this time you read the opinions and research on and newspapers and others, and then basically make some money off of it and, and put some some of your knowledge to test, which I think is really interesting. And the second thing is like, it, in some ways it levels the playing field because when people trade on stocks against some of the big funds, it's really hard to have an edge. And by really hard, I mean virtually impossible because you're not going to beat like, hedge funds like Citadel who've been in the market for like decades now who have hundreds of quants and researchers and analysts are analyzing the stock and a lot more asymmetric information. They see a lot more flow and a lot more stocks and options flow than you. Whereas on Kashi, everyone has a shot at actually getting smart about what's going to happen with that ceiling. Right. And there's not as much of a kind of tilted balance. I think here there's more of a level playing field where it's mm -hmm. kind of fair game for anyone to come and make some money. Yeah. Super interesting. You mentioned there's contracts as an option trader. When I think contracts, that means that equals a hundred shares, but it sounds like one contract is just 40 cents or if that was the price, is that right? So it, you can't just trade one contract, which would be in the cents. Is that right? Yes. So the, the, basically if you buy a contract, contracts is a $1 notional, what we call notional in the traditional market. So, mm -hmm. and that $1, as we said, right, we can buy it at any price between zero and one. 
Because you could technically buy something for one cent if it's priced there. Right. Okay. Or 50 cents or 40 cents, whatever that price is. But yeah, the point is like you can do sub $1 trades if right, you really wanted to try it out. So yeah. And so are there commissions or from a business perspective, you guys are essentially making markets. So is that just sort of built into those prices or is there actual commission? It's not built into those prices because those prices are like, if I go and trade on Kaoshi, generally I'm trading about someone else on the other side. So it could be you, Eric, on the other side that we're trading against each other and the price, we're both determining the price. So the exchange Kaoshi itself does not decide. We're not the ones determining the price. It's more of a supply and demand thing and based on where the market is trading. We just take a transaction fee. So when a trade book between you and I happen, we charge you a little bit upfront as a transaction fee. So typical okay. business model of the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ or CMEs, some of the big exchanges around, which take usually like a small trading fee on top of the trading. Gotcha. That makes sense. So moving forward, do you guys have any other plans for Kelsey? Are there different things you're adding or anything you're working towards? Yes. So we are, I mean, we have a lot of different things. We're always expanding the number of markets that we're listing. And so we're going to be listing more and more markets over time or potentially adding crypto soon. We're going to do like shorter maturities, like markets that settle within a few minutes or a few hours, which we've been getting a lot of demand for mm-hmm. so that you don't have to wait for settlement. We have a number of economic markets in the pipeline. We're expanding our weather offerings to new cities. Right now we have New York and Chicago. We're just at Miami and I believe that Austin. And we're going to be adding new cities over time. And Did you say um, weather, like, storms and things like that type of weather yes i'm in florida yeah. so i <laughs> we get a lot yeah, of weather so now here. you have a yeah. yeah now you have a florida market and you usually have all the hurricane ones so you can trade on the weather and so we have some oh. people that are trading just to basically make money off the weather and the other people are hedging basically specific weather events and hmm. it's been really interesting to see i mean people like talking about the weather and they understand and know what's happening yeah. in their own cities so it's always interesting to kind of add a way for people to express those opinions or trade on them Right. Very interesting. So what's the best place to get started? Just go to Kalshi.com and open an account. Is that what you recommend? Yeah, totally. So Kalshi.com, K-A-L-S-H-I.com. Start an account, takes a few minutes. And then we generally have very good customer support. So we'll always assist you and handhold you. We want to, we really look to provide like a great, I would say, financial services experience for people that come in and basically look to get started. So yeah, you can ping us anywhere on the platform to basically ask us questions, et cetera. We also have an amazing learn portal now where you can learn about the asset class. And I think it's very soon going to be GPT powered as well, where you can just like ask it a number of things around training strategies, et cetera. And it'll basically give you answers on a variety of different things, which which we found really cool. And then other than that, if you have also specific questions, you can email me directly at Tarek, my name, my first name, T-A-R-E-K at Kalshi.com. So yeah, very cool. I'm going to put, I'll put your links. I'll put all the links in the description of the show. So a lot of people listening can't go there right now, but I'll put all the information in there. Man, this is really cool. I'm going to be diving in. I want to jump in that learn portal. I want to start. I know personally, I, well, I need to go check out the Florida weather market just to kind of see what that looks like. But I definitely want to start looking at some of these economic events. And I think if anything, the way I see it is if you really want to learn something like how the markets are going to react or the debt ceiling and stuff, I think having some way to low risk way, I should say, to participate so that you can really kind of pay attention. Sometimes you get sidetracked and you'll just forget about it. Next thing you know, it's over and you kind of moved on. So I think I like to like get my hands and stuff. And I think it helps me learn how the economy works or how the stock market works. And this seems like a interesting way to kind of do that. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, a lot of people love using Kashi as a way to basically learn about the marketplace more broadly and more of an accessible way to, to learn about markets and the economy. And over time, they basically end up, we have a lot of people that do it full time. It's their full time jobs. And it's been yeah. incredible to see like people that would have never made any money in traditional financial markets. Now they're on Kashi. And, and I mean, we have people that are making something like se- seven figures on Kashi. Yeah. Some real serious money, right? And a lot of people making six figures, like definitely 1x, 2x full-time salaries, 3x full-time salaries. Uh, and so they're doing it full-time and that's their thing now. And so they're, they're doing an infrastructure. Some of them are even hiring teams, et cetera. So it's been they're incredible to see the ecosystem growing. Yeah, very cool. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate you coming on. I'm going to dive into the platform myself and we'll talk to you later. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Talk soon. Bye.